0: pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Hello, good morning. My name's John. Thank you for the introduction, Simon. How are you, church? Um, It's lovely to speak to you. Um, It's lovely to speak to you guys online as well, whether you're watching now or watching back later. Um, As Simon said, um, today we're talking about transforming power. Um, But we're looking at the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I think before I start, um, I think I have to acknowledge the fact that we as a church and as a church family have lived through suffering and have lived through grief and disappointment recently with the death of Lauren. And I think it's in preparing for this talk, um, I felt that it was really important to acknowledge that. And as a result, I found it quite difficult to prepare. And I don't know if anyone seen me rising at the front, kind of binned half the talk this morning, kind of rewrote a little bit. Um, and I don't really know where this is going to end up going. So um, we'll, just, we'll just go with it. So uh, have some grace for me um, uh, as we get started. Um, I don't know about you, but I have really enjoyed um, this series on Mark. Um, I've really I, I love Mark's Gospel. Um I did it in my GCSEs actually. Mark's Gospel was one of my GCSE subjects. Um and it's one of the few Bible books of the Bible that I've read over again, and um I've read in one go more than once. And it's it's a, it's just really real. You can tell that um, you know, it's it's Peter's eyewitness account um as dictated by um who we think, John Mark, um, who we traditionally think of as the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Um, And and it really launches you into the action. And there's lovely details in there that, you know, you you feel a part of the action. Um, And the story arc of Mark, we start with right at the beginning with with his baptism, with Jesus' baptism. Um, And we have God declaring right at the beginning, this is my son, Uh, my dearly loved son Um, and and Mark's saying right at the beginning who Jesus is and then halfway through Mark Jesus asks, um, asks Peter or asks his disciples who do you say I am And Peter says, you're the Messiah. Uh, And then the chapter later at the transfiguration, we again, word from uh, from God the Father, this is my dearly loved son, listen to him. And you have Elijah and Moses standing next to him representing the law and the prophets saying Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And then right at the end, towards the end of Mark, um, you have the centurion who crucifies Jesus, recognizing who Jesus is. Truly this man was a son of God, a Gentile. One of the people involved in his execution was so moved by the way that Jesus died that he recognised who Jesus was. So right the way through Mark, Mark is telling us Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, And also the message of Mark is that the kingdom of God is near. Um, But all the way through when... when, um, Jesus is recognised, I'll talk about this in a minute, um, all the way through, Mark points us to the cross, Mark points us to Jesus' humility, Mark points us to the cost of the kingdom, which is the, co- the cross and Jesus, the, the price Jesus paid in dying for us uh, on the cross. So looking at Mark 14, if anyone wants to get their Bibles open and follow along, it's starting at um, verse 32. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed, if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet what I want yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them and again prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open And they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas one of the 12 disciples arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the elders. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss then the others grabbed jesus and arrested him but one of the men with jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave slashing off his ear jesus asked them am i some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me why didn't you arrest me in the temple i was there among you teaching every day but all these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man, following behind, was clothed only in a a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. This is the moment for the disciples that everything has changed up until this point, they've been called by Jesus. They've seen him do amazing things. They've seen him do miracles, healings, casting out demons, feeding 4,000, feeding 5,000. And um, he's talked to them about his kingdom coming. My kingdom's coming. Uh, The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And they're desperate. They're longing for the kingdom. They're expectant of the kingdom. Um, and even when Jesus has tried to warn them, has predicted his death multiple times, they still haven't got it. In, in Mark 8, um, after, um, Jesus, um, after Peter has said, you are the Messiah, Jesus then immediately predicts his death. And then Peter kind of takes him aside and, and reprimands him, it says. Um, and, and Jesus' response is, get behind me, Satan. Because what Peter was saying was the very thing that Jesus was being tempted with. We go back to, I mean, it's the account in Matthew, but you go back to Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. So Jesus is baptised, and then he immediately goes into the wilderness where he's tempted. Um, and the temptations uh, that Jesus has in the account in Matthew is is he's, um, you can provide food for yourself. You can turn these stones into bread. Um, uh, and Satan says, Um, You can throw yourself off the top of the tallest tower and you can call down an army of angels and they're going to rescue you. Um, And he says, uh, and then Satan says to him, um, if you worship me, I can make you the ruler of the whole earth. I can make you ruler of everything. Um, And when Jesus says to Peter, get me behind me, Satan, after he's predicted his death and and Peter's not too happy about it, I, I think it's because... It's exactly the same thing that Jesus was tempted with when he was um, in the wilderness. And I think it's exactly the same thing that Jesus is being tempted with here in the garden as well. And then in Mark 9, after the transfiguration, um, Jesus predicts his death. Um, And immediately after, you've got the disciples arguing between themselves about who's going to be the greatest. Um, And Jesus says to them, teaches them about humility. Um, that whoever wants to be first will have to be last. And sorry, just after um, uh, Jesus has reprimanded, um, uh, has rebuked Peter in Mark 8, he also teaches them about humility uh, and says, whoever wants to follow me must take up their cross. Uh, And then in Mark 10, there's another prediction, so three in a row, 8, 9, and 10. Um, uh, And after Jesus predicts his death, James and John then come to him. Again, none of them have listened. They don't get it. They're just, you know, okay, Jesus, stop talking about your death. Um, James and John come to him and ask whether they can sit on his right or left side um, when he's in glory. And he says to them, can you drink the cup that I drink? And again, teaches them about Humility. So we've got this repeating pattern. Jesus is the Messiah. The kingdom is coming. It comes of the, the cost of the cross, which comes through obedience and humility. And up until this point, where we are in the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples haven't got it at all. But suddenly, there's a mob that have come to arrest Jesus. One of their best mates, one of their their gang that have been together for three years following Jesus in his ministry. One of them is leading them to betray him. And Jesus is arrested, and they just run away. They weren't even able to stay awake whilst Jesus wanted them with him, whilst he was praying with the Father. He couldn't even, they couldn't even stay awake. And now Jesus is arrested, they run away. And, and immediately after this, whilst Jesus is being tried in an illegal court Peter then denies Jesus. And we know what happens next in the story. Jesus is brought before Pilate. Uh, The religious priests um, stir up the mob against him. Pilate decides to crucify Jesus uh, and he dies on a cross. And this happens, you know, less than 24 hours. They've been been sitting together, having the last supper together. They go out to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then suddenly everything turns upside down um, and... By the middle of the next day, Jesus is dead. Um, I don't know what it must have been like for the disciples. In some respects, I can't blame their response because, if I'm honest, I probably would have done something very similar. Um, But the way that Jesus behaves in this moment is extraordinary and demonstrates both his humanity and also demonstrates his divinity. He's really suffering. It says in Mark that, that he's full of anguish. He's crying out to God that he would take this cup from me. He doesn't... It's difficult really to get the words right here. Jesus clearly goes willingly to his death, obediently to his death. He follows his Father's will um, and, he, and he's obedient. Um, but he's clearly suffering and he's clearly afraid Uh, and I think you know it's been said here multiple times that that courage isn't an absence of fear but it's choosing to act despite our fears And, and Jesus demonstrates incredible courage in the garden of Gethsemane he still even in this moment has the opportunity to run away but he chooses not to um, and he demonstrates the humility and the obedience that he's been talking about. And as I mentioned uh, briefly earlier, I, I think Jesus talks about, he talks about temptation. You know, He talks about the disciples not being able to resist the temptation to fall asleep. But I'm sure in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane that, that Jesus is also being tempted um, to, to leave the path that God has put him on. Um, and there's echoes here of the Garden of Eden, you know, the Garden of Eden where humanity, where Adam and Eve failed um, in being tempted, that, that Jesus begins the story of writing things round, where Jesus in, in the Garden of Gethsemane meets the challenge of temptation, chooses obedience and humility um, and, and allows himself to be arrested um, and ultimately to go to his death on the cross. And in this moment, I think Jesus teaches us a bit about suffering. He does two things. He turns to his father, so he retreats to pray and cries out. And is honest and real with God about how he's feeling. Um, and he also really wants his friends with him. He knows he's about to die. Um, but, but he wants those that he most loves round him. He takes Peter, James, and John, his closest disciples, a little bit further with him in the garden. Um, and he's gutted when they go to sleep repeatedly. Um, and I think, again, just looking at the disciples, I mean, we have the privilege of reading this and knowing what happens next. We know that that Jesus does die but that it's through the cross and Jesus' death and resurrection that he brings the kingdom, that he brings new life, that resurrection happens. You know it doesn't end on the cross. Easter Sunday happens. Jesus is risen and is alive and we can know him um, and that is the transforming power because of the choices that Jesus made in Gethsemane. Um, that we have the ability to be in relationship with the father that we can be restored and that we can have the opportunity to follow Jesus Uh, and and the great thing about the gospel uh, the good news that Jesus brings the reality of the kingdom is that it starts right now that it begins with salvation Uh, we don't have to wait um, but also we know that heaven is real um, that Jesus has done it, that he's paid the price, that he's He's won it for us. Um, and this is the transforming power of the cross. Um, the disciples longed for the kingdom, but they didn't expect the cross. Uh, and I think that has echoes for us, um, as I mentioned in this season, that we longed for something we didn't see we're disappointed that we're hurt I just want to acknowledge Ness and Rich um, the dignity and the openness and the honesty that you have dealt with it um, and walked through it and shared that journey with us has been amazing um, and I think it's had a profound effect on all of us as church uh, and we stand with you in this season um, I didn't mention earlier I'm a doctor, but um, I was working a couple of nights ago, um, and I had to tell a patient and their family that they were about to die. And it's a conversation I've had quite a few times. Um, it's one that I I don't enjoy, but recognise that it's a privilege, um, and I've talked to people before about it being a holy space. Um, But I noticed that I did things differently this time. And I talked about grief when I've shied away from that in the past. Um, And I talked about the preciousness of the period of knowing of that period of suffering, of that period of closeness. Um, And I think partly that that's been preparing this talk, partly that's what we've lived through as a church. But I think... I think we get changed by suffering, um, and if we approach it closely, honestly, and looking at God, it, it changes the way that we behave. Um, and Ness and Rich at the weekend talked about going east, and um, so I just, I just want to come into land shortly, um, and um, I think I think there's. There's three things, that I, three different groups of people, and maybe more than one of them, um, just in the way that I think that I'd like us to respond as a church. So Jesus demonstrates his humanity and his anguish and his suffering in this season, uh, in this period, in this story. Um, and Ness and Rich talked about going east, and I, I just want to repeat that call that if there's those of us that are here that need to go east, um, that are living through suffering, um, or if there are those of us here that are standing with others who are suffering, then um, I think now this morning is a really good opportunity to pray, um, to pray with each other and to acknowledge it, to be open and and just to cry out to God as Jesus cried out to his Father. Um. And then I think for those of us that may have run away when things got tough, just like the, um, just like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane ran away um, when the mob came, um, or even if there's those of us that may have denied Jesus, just as Peter denied Jesus. The the amazing thing about God, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he forgives and he restores. And he's the God of, of second chances uh, and third chances and fourth chances that there is forgiveness and there is restoration um, and so if you're in a position where you feel like you've been put under pressure um, and you've not chosen to take up your cross, that there's the opportunity to come back to, to come back to God, come back to Jesus um, to accept the transforming power of the cross and to and to follow him. And then finally, if you if you've never if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've heard about him uh, and you've heard a bit about his transforming power and you want to know it for real, um, then I'd love to pray with you. There's a load of other people that would love to pray with you. so if you'd like to do that, then um, please take this opportunity.